Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One thing I learned early on was not to try to overcompensate for our time by buying things or overcompensate for the fact that both parents aren't together or anything like that. So that was something that we both did like early on. We'll be buying him a bunch of things. And then it got to the point every time we walked into the store, he thought he was supposed to get a toy. Your time and the fact that your kid is loved is more than enough. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and happy Mother's Day. If you're listening to this in real time, it is May 9th, 2021, and it is Mother's Day. I don't know about you, but um, I happen to think that mothers are real-life superheroes. Us mujeres are capable of so many things, and I think motherhood is just one of those roles that honestly astounds me. Every time I meet a mom who is doing the damn thing, not just for herself, but for her kids, I'm just always in awe. So shout out to you, moms. You are the real MVPs. Now, because it's Mother's Day, I wanted to bring y'all a very special episode because It's so important for us to empower moms on this show 
because moms are the ones who are going to change the future. I truly believe that. And it starts with empowering mothers to be financially literate so that they can pass on that priceless knowledge to their children. So today's episode features an amazing and inspirational mama who I've gotten the pleasure to know in this personal finance community, and she is awe-inspiring. We're going to be talking to Jasmine Tillery, founder of Money and Momming, a blog and business that focuses on personal finance and parenting. Jasmine is a wife, a mom, an engineer, and she started Money and Momming as an Instagram profile to document her family's debt-free journey. Jasmine is an advocate for financial balance and IVF and infant loss awareness, and she talks about all of this on her platform. So if you want to find out more about Jasmine and Money and Momming, follow her on Instagram and Twitter. This conversation is so inspiring, and I can't wait for you to hear Jasmine's story. So stick around. You don't want to miss this episode. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Jasmine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I've been waiting to be on here for so long. <laughs> yes, we've actually had the pleasure of working together on some collaborations through Instagram. And I love your message of balancing money and momming. So I can't wait to get into how the heck you're doing all that. Because for anybody that doesn't already know, I am not a mom. I have so much respect for women in general who just take on this never-ending job that is motherhood, like y'all are the real MVPs for real. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I can only imagine. And I want to get into how you're kind of just doing all this stuff and balancing all these responsibilities. But why don't you start off with introducing yourself to the audience? So hello, everyone. My name is Jasmine. I am from New Jersey, born and raised here. I work full time as a quality engineer in the aerospace and defense industry. And then I also run my blog, which is Money and Momming. I'm married. I have three children. So I have a nine-year-old son. And then I had twin girls earlier in 2020. One has went to heaven and the other one, she's currently nine months. And then we also have a dog. We recently bought a house and we're just doing all the things, trying to figure out homeschooling virtually, working full-time, both me and my husband, the baby, conquering a move, and also our finances with all that in between, you know, making sure that we are, we still have student loan debt. We are consumer debt free. So that, and then making sure our savings are where they need to be, investments and all that. So we're doing a lot of things, but yeah, just trying to coast along. 
That's awesome. And for all of the things that you've been able to accomplish, especially in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, you need to give yourself a pat on the back because it has not been easy for anybody for sure. So let's get into your relationship with money and what that was like growing up. Can you talk me through that? Like, what did you learn from your parents about money? Yeah. So my parents were great with money and still are. My dad founded an investment group. It was my parents and about nine other Black couples. And they had this investment group when I was a kid. I remember them having meetings at the house. I would hear figures and stuff being thrown out. And so they did that for about 10 years. They also were really good at saving. We had everything we wanted and everything that we needed. So like I was used to a certain lifestyle growing up. My parents put me through college. I had my first car they bought. I was pretty much set. And so my relationship with money was good, I guess, until it was time for me to fund my lifestyle. And so Mm. that's where the disconnect was. So I saw the end result, but I didn't see the how. I knew that I wanted to make a lot of money, which is why I went to the STEM field in order to have the lifestyle that I wanted to continue doing what I, you know, what I was used to. But I didn't realize that it was a process. I didn't realize that you don't graduate college and suddenly make six figures to (laughs) stay in that lifestyle. There was just a lot that I didn't know. Um, I also had my son while I was in college. So my senior year, college, I was actually like a super senior because I couldn't go to lab classes while pregnant. And so I graduated with a son as well. And then, you know, paying for daycare. So daycare in New Jersey at the time, I was paying about $1,200 a month by the time he went and he didn't go till he was three. So I paid for that for two years and that was still a lot. But yeah, my relationship with money growing up, I didn't see the how they did it. I just saw the end result. And so when I got it on my own. I was still trying to sustain that end result and didn't realize the how. And that's what got me into trouble. That's how I ended up buying a brand new car because I would see that my dad and my mom would go out and get new cars whenever they felt like it. Like I didn't see how it affected finances and I don't think they really let it affect. They, they bought what they could afford. I couldn't afford that. I also, you know, I live in an apartment that was a luxury apartment mainly because I liked the safety of it being a single parent at the time, but I had no business being there. Like it was very expensive. (laughs) And then, you know, just going into debt. So I think my credit card doing a lot of retail therapy when I should have been going to real therapy Mm -hmm. and just all that. So at that point, my relationship with money, I would say was bad. So this was early twenties. It was really bad. I would spend every dollar I made just trying to sustain a lifestyle I was used to, but that I couldn't truly afford at the time. Yeah, that that is, I think, something that many of us struggle with, especially if we have parents that are more well off. I want to talk a little bit more about your parents, though, because let's be honest, you're a black woman. Like this mm-hmm. whole thing about your parents being involved in investment clubs, like I don't know how common that is. I know that I've never heard of that in the Latino community. So like, how did your parents kind of get exposed to that? Do you have any idea? My dad grew up poor. So he grew up in North Philly. And then when he was right before he turned 17, they moved to like a very rural part of South Jersey. So yeah, and like he grew up poor, basically. And that was something that he said, I'm not going to be poor when I'm an adult. Mm. And he worked and my mom worked. And eventually, my mom didn't have to work. She worked when she wanted to. And so that I also kind of had a little bit of that too, like, oh, I can quit this job because my dad was the same. So I like I saw that growing up, which isn't a bad thing. Like my yeah, mom, she no. took care of us kids, and like she worked in other ways. Like she would pick up jobs here and there, work when she felt like it, and then when she was done, she was done. 
and, no, and let me I, tell you, like, stay-at-home moms don't get any credit. Like, they be working jobs that they should be making six figures because they're working okay. 24-7, okay? <laughs> yeah, and then, like, once, like, my older sister, when she started having kids, and then when I had Elijah, I'm just like, all right, your job is to be a professional nana. And, like, that's what <laughs> she does now. She just watches the grandkids when she can. But otherwise, she's the epitome of dress and rest, like, and goals. But, like, my dad, he grew up poor, and he was just like, that's not something I want. I don't want that for my children. And so they've always owned houses. Same thing with the cars. Like, I've watched my dad pay for cars, like, up front in cash. I used to get sent to school with, with my tuition, like, in cash. And he would mm-hmm. say, go straight to the office and pay this. And I'd just be like, okay. <laughs> but to me, that was my norm. So getting older and coming out of my bubble, like, even, like, talking to my husband, he had to finance all of his education. And I'm just like, what do you mean your parents didn't pay for college? Everybody's parents do. And he was right. like, what? <laughs> because I was just, you know, my sheltered bubble, small New Jersey town. And all I saw was like what was done for me. I didn't really have that much of an outlook until I started really diving into personal finance and really getting an understanding of everyone's situations and just money situations in general. Yeah. Wow. Shout out to dad, because he definitely seems like the guy who decided I'm going to shift the narrative of my family and I'm going to show my daughter what is possible and build something that I didn't have for myself when I was growing up. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's super important because like you don't know what you don't experience or you don't see. So you knew that like, it's possible to be good with money. It's possible to be wealthy. Like, but I think what was missing for you was like, okay, how, like, how do I get exactly, exactly. So let's talk about that. So like, what was your money situation before embarking on your debt payoff journey? So when I was about 22, 23, that's when my son's dad and I split. And then I was like, just a one income household trying to navigate a new career, you know, coming out of college and everything. And I would budget, but I would budget and still not have enough to save. So I was paying all my bills first and then maybe saving like $10 biweekly and just getting by. And then eventually I got a little bit better before I met my husband, Lewis in 2015. So I was budgeting, but not how I do now. So I wasn't prioritizing, but I was making sure that all the bills were paid and I did have a savings cushion. And then we met, he was great with money. So like he was just holding it down and doing until we got married and stuff. And we were just trying to figure it out. And then we got married, but we were still like, okay, combined incomes now. We make a lot of money. We could be doing a lot more. And so that's where I was just like, all right, well, let's see what we can do. And then I think like most people in like the debt-free community and like on these Instagram communities, like where I found things, most of us start with like Googling how to get out of debt and how to start saving money. And the first person who pops up is Dave Ramsey. And so we tried his way twice and we quit twice because it was burnout. It was just too much. I would say we did see some progress, but for sake of our sanity, like we just, we couldn't do it. And so that's how we were able to research some more, develop a system that worked for us. And then that's when we jumped into like really budgeting, which would allow us to save and pay ourselves first and still take care of like that lingering debt, like the cars and the credit cards and stuff and get that paid off. Got it. So was there something or someone that was kind of like the spark or the catalyst that inspired you to make a change behind your money habits? Was it your husband or was it something else? I would say initially, yes, because he, when we met, like, he just, I don't know, he was just this guy who had it together. And I was just like, (laughs) 
oh, he's a unicorn. He didn't have no kids. And like, <laughs> I just, that was something, even though like, I had a kid, I was like, I don't know if I could be a stepmom. So he didn't have no kids. He didn't have, like, he seemed to just have to Like, he worked a lot. Like, he had his full-time job, but he also side hustled for years and, like, was using his side hustle to pay for, like, all the fun stuff. And I'm just like, that makes sense. Like, if I had, like, more time, I would do that or do it more consistently because I did side hustle, like, on my free time when I didn't have my son like credit was good and like he just had a different perspective on how to handle money whereas like it was just me in my own bubble trying to figure it out all the time and here was this person who came to my life and he had a system and was like pretty much doing it and then we had to figure out how to do it together so I think us learning together is what helped us as well yeah I'd love to talk about that too because I get a lot of questions from couples about like should we combine finances or should we keep them separate and so like what was your strategy? How did you guys kind of map out what that would look like for you? I firmly believe couples should manage money together, so I mean whether you decide to combine it or not, that's your business, but managing it together and knowing the overall holistic financial situation, not hiding money and all that kind of stuff, I think that's important we decided to combine our finances. And that was just something we were just like, hey, do you want to combine finances? And yeah, yeah, okay. Like it wasn't much of a discussion, but we were like, all right, we're married. Like let's put everything in one pot. We still have individual accounts. And because he likes his like allowance and fund money on his debit card, I prefer a cash envelope. But like right now I'm not pulling out cash. So we'll transfer that to our separate accounts. But yeah, for the most part, we do everything together and we talk about everything. And so I think that's the biggest part of it too, just communicating where money's going, what we're spending on what, what our financial goals are, and the visibility between the accounts. And that trust is there. So that's just something that was very easy. So I mean, if you're struggling, I don't really have much advice because it was just so smooth how we did ours. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think communication is a tool that every couple needs and it definitely applies to finances as well. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about the strategies that you've been using to accomplish your financial goals. So can you walk me kind of through your personal finance journey, the ups and downs and the strategies? And what's your why? Like, why are you doing this? Sure. I'll start with my why. My why is my children. So we started, it was just Elijah. And then we found out that we had to do IVF after we got married because we were trying to get pregnant. And then a year, like it just wouldn't work. And we had to do IVF. And so that kind of happened at the same time that we started getting a hold of our finances because we were like, all right, we got to pay for this too. Either way, we got to learn how to budget. So that way, because there's money there and money available, we just have to figure out how to get access to it without eating out five nights a week and blowing it at the mall or whatever, and maybe cut back on a vacation or two. So just trying to figure that out. But our children are a why for sure. I think it's very important. Like even when we bought the house, I had a discussion with my son the difference between rent and owning and was explained to him why this was so important that we bought this house. And this was something that I wanted to do for him for a long time in hopes that by the time that he graduates college, he can have this house and we'll be moved on to something else. You know, just trying to explain it to him as far as our journey and the process itself, again, you know, just looking at different budgeting methods. I think that's really important because it's not one size fits all. And there's so many different ones. And I would say that mine is a combination of like four or five of them. So we have, let me see, we have like the zero-based budget. We do that. So making sure that every dollar is allocated for, but we also pay ourselves first. So before anything else comes out, we have our savings that we're transferring and then we look at all the other bills. 
we're also doing cash envelope system. Well, I am. So I like cash envelopes. So I pull out our variable expenses and then my personal fund money in a cash envelope. And then also like a calendar method type of thing where we're allocating our bills and stuff throughout the month based on our pay cycle. And so I guess that's also like a budgeting, like a paycheck budgeting and also calendar method. So it's a combination of a few different types, but it works for us. Got it. All right. So what have you been able to accomplish as a result of your debt payoff journey? Yeah. So we paid off credit cards and cars. So consumer debt free. We just have our student loans left and we also got rid of a bunch of medical debt. Also emergency fund is done. So we, that was something we accomplished this year, finished uh, funding our emergency fund, 401k contributions. And then for my 30th birthday, I opened up a Roth IRA last week. And thank you. I'm planning to start contributing to that. I'll put a little something in there, but like, I know there's like a $6,000 cap. I'm nowhere near that, but just trying to get something in there to get mm-hmm. started, really taking a look at the brokerage account and getting into investing. I've always been a little hesitant with investing, but this year I would say like we really educated ourselves and try to get more in tune with investing. But that's something like I don't ever talk about that on my platform because I don't ever want to like cross that line mm-hmm. of, you know what I mean? But that's something that I've been doing so far, like this year, and I think it's gone really well. And then like our sinking funds, making sure we're prepared for things like these large expenses, like the stuff with the house and even some of the fun stuff. Like there was the Xbox and PlayStation release and stuff. And then my husband, you know, he knew about that last year. And so last week we're buying these things and another TV for it when like I didn't freak out because that's something that we planned for. Our kids have 529 plans. And we are actively contributing to that every month. So there's a lot that's going on. And I would say looking now versus even like five years ago and 10 years ago, we're in a completely different space. And I'm in a completely different space financially. And it feels good. I can definitely relate to just being on the other side of this personal finance debt journey. I think when you're going through it, it's really like it can feel like the progress is slow. And so I'm curious, like how much actual debt have you been able to pay off? About, I want to say, all right, we started in 2017. And so I would say start of 2018. As far as debt, my car was was about 27 left on my car when we started. I had over 10,000 in credit card debt. So that's about 37, Let's, let's say 37. Medical debt was another six. Roughly, so where we're at forty three. So yeah, I would say about forty three, give or take a thousand or two, That's in amazing. debt that we've been able to pay off. But we also we had things come up. Life happens too. So we pay for IVF expenses in the midst of that. So wow, and that was a yeah, huge chunk of money. That is not cheap. <laughs> and then also saving for our house down payment and all the other things for the house. So I mean, our debt payoff. The one thing I want to say to people, like you might see some people paying off that amount, like forty five thousand dollars in eight months, great for them. I'm not worried about paying it off as fast as I can. I'm worrying about paying it off, but also thinking about life realistically too. Mm -hmm. So I know I want to buy a house. I can't wait till I'm 100% debt-free to buy a house because we have six-year student loan debt. That's going to take a while. And the importance of home ownership, that was something that's very important to me, a high priority. So my savings and stuff around the house and to ensure that I had furniture that was paid for in cash. My house got painted before we moved in. The conveniences of having people move my stuff and put things together and do. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com dinero work because I'm not a DIYer like you're gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pay for that so that was stuff I had to save for up front also the emergency fund I was not comfortable with a small emergency fund I wanted six months worth mm-hmm. and we saved that over time so you know it took us a little longer to pay off what's there and our student loans gonna take us a while too but I'm conscious of it I'm fully aware of it and that's something we're working on but I'm not gonna do it like super fast and that's okay yeah, you don't have to be one of these people that's like, I paid off $100,000 in six months. Like, I think that yeah. when people see stuff like that, it kind of makes them feel like, oh, well, I'm not even going to bother trying because obviously, like, it's not realistic for me to want to pay down this debt. And it's okay to pay it down slowly. Like, you sound mm-hmm. like you have a plan, you understand exactly what's happening with your finances, and you prioritize things in a way that are not going to compromise the other things that you want to work on more long-term. Yep, absolutely. And I think that was another part of burnout too, that comparison on social media. I had my social media page. I've had a social media page for a few years. It was under a different name when I first started and I quit and I deactivated it for a while. Then I started back up, quit again, back and forth before I actually like started blogging from it. But yeah, that comparison, seeing people pay off these large amounts of debt so quickly or they're getting... $15,000 as a gift from parents. Like, what? My parents, they got money, but they didn't give me $15,000. Like, no, that's right. <laughs> and like, as a gift, yeah. I'm like, can you reload my Starbucks card? And I'm, <laughs> that goes unanswered, basically, you know? Right. So, like, seeing things like that. And it's a lot when you are trying to learn and you're trying to find your way and figure it out, especially like, I like social media. And so I learned a lot from people. I learned a lot from you and like a bunch of other people, but it took a while to find 
mm-hmm. the right people. And yeah. so, you know, anyone listening, if you, it takes a minute to find your tribe and who you want to learn from, but don't give up. And it can mm-hmm. take a while. And time's going to pass short. anyway, though. So <laughs> try it. That. Yeah. So speaking of social media, so what actually inspired you to share your story and your personal finance journey online? So I was anonymous for a while. And because I was just lurking and saw a bunch of other people doing anonymous pages and stuff and an accountability thing. So like in my personal circle, money is not something that like my friends and I talk about. And that's something I do want to change at some point, but it depends on their comfortability. One of my close friends, she and I, we talk about budgeting all the time, but like to an extent, but I felt like that was a space where, you know, I can really like dive into it and ask the questions that I might've felt were dumb questions, but they really weren't because I needed answers. And there's other people asking those questions too. But I did blog a little bit back in 2015. I just didn't have an angle. I was kind of all over the place. And then I just wasn't consistent. And I stopped, but I was telling my husband when I was pregnant with the twins that this is something I want to get back into it. And so my plan was maternity leave, start talking about mom life, you know, and with twins and everything and the babies and then with my son and really start blogging and also with the money factor into it. But big bomb dropped. So everything changed, but I still was like, you know what? I need an outlet. I need to do something. And so I still like went through with the blogging part of it all. I love it. So what are you sharing over at Money and Momming? I share everything like parenthood and personal finance. And, you know, the parent is not all glamorous. So (laughs) sensitive material warning, but, you know, I talk about infant loss because that's something I've been through. I talk about our NICU journey. I talk about IVF. And then the cost of it and also the mental implications of it. I talk openly on my Instagram about going to therapy and how necessary that is to find someone that you trust and that you can speak with a professional. And then also personal finance. I talk about from Christmas shopping to just general budgeting. I talk about 529 plans. I talk about what we eat a lot because that's like my biggest budget buster is food. So like lately I've been talking about that a lot because that's what I'm going through right now. Like with the move and the transition into the new house. We haven't been cooking as much. Well, my husband, because he's the the main person who cooks. So we've been eating out a lot. And I'm just like, yo, we're spending a lot of money on food. Like we got to chill. So that's something I share in real time because it's something I'm going through. So it's a little bit of everything. Money touches everything that we do. Absolutely. Yeah, everything. So what are some money lessons that you think would be super useful for moms that you've learned along your journey? One thing I learned early on was not to try to overcompensate for our time by buying things or overcompensate for the fact that both parents aren't together or anything like that. So that was something that we both did like early on. We'll be buying him a bunch of things. And then it got to the point every time we walked into the store, he thought he was supposed to get a toy Mm. and your time. And the fact that your kid is loved is more than enough. So, you know, you don't have to keep buying things. So that's a big one. Also, like clothing kids grow so fast. Mm -hmm. Like my son, he's nine and he wears adult men's clothing now. Wow. (laughs) And he's huge. Oh, this boy's huge. And (laughs) I was not prepared for the price change, the difference in the clothes. So just be conscious of how fast they grow. He has a very particular taste in clothes now. So he's starting to understand brands and things like that which sucks for me because I try to appease him as much as possible. But at the same time, I got to keep it in perspective. He doesn't need six pairs of shoes because he's only going to be able to wear them for a month. Mm -hmm. So not falling into that whole brand thing. Of course, like you want to get them what they want, but you got to keep it in perspective. 
in terms of like babies. All the stuff you think you need for babies, you don't. Like babies don't need much. They need some milk and some diapers. Mm-hmm. Like all these extra gadgets and stuff is for convenience for you, basically. Get what you, you know, what's going to work for you. But like there's so much things these must haves, they're not must haves. Like there's so much stuff that I had that collected dust or that we didn't even use. And I just got rid of it before we moved. Yeah, um, you can absolutely reach out to your network of moms. Like they might have stuff in their house that they just need to get rid of and they haven't gotten around yeah. to it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I lucked out because my older sister, her son is one month older than Avery. And so like, he's already walking. So like, I got the bouncer, the walker. I take stuff away from her. Mm-hmm. Pajamas. I don't care if it has trucks on it. Send it over. <laughs> we'll take it. Like, cause baby, like, she's just crawling around on the floor. Like I'm not really getting her dressed anymore. But the whole playing dress up phase is over. So there's a lot of like mom budget things. I could go on all day. But it's yeah, just, you well, know, there's a lot of stuff that you don't need for kids. <laughs> for sure. And for anybody who wants even more advice, definitely head over to moneyandmomming.com where you can get all of Jasmine's tips about how to optimize your money situation, especially as a mom. So I want to know, how are you teaching your children about money? Like, what are you doing to make sure that they're better prepared to handle their own adult financial situation when that time comes? I think one of the most important things I do with Elijah is he hears our conversations around money. So it's not just hush, hush, and then like some results. So he hears us when we have our budget meetings. He sees us when we do our meal planning and grocery process because we are shopping the kitchen first and then making a menu and then shopping those ingredients first. And then we have a limit. And then he understands like when we say, oh, this is not in the budget, it's not budgeted for. That's something that we've been saying for a while and explain to him, you know, once the money runs out in this category, it's done. So showing him how that part's done and also having him budget his own money. So he receives an allowance. He has negotiated his way to up to $20 a week, but it depends how much he works and how consistent he is. So he's only made that $20 maybe twice so far. I mean, it started at $5 a few years ago. So he's been negotiating his way up over the years and teaching that skill of negotiating a salary, but also the return on the work that you do. You know, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So, you know, he's learning that and also budgeting that money himself. So when he does get paid, I don't allow him to spend it all. He has to put some in savings and he has to put some aside for a tithes and offering. So he's like in and hands on and has... He has a full overview. I've also talked to him about debt and credit cards and just like the responsible use of it and like what credit is. That's not something I really knew. It was just that like, don't max out your credit card. Uh Okay. (laughs) That's the same lesson I got. And then, you know, it was like, okay, don't use credit because you'll ruin your life if you never pay it or if you pay it late. So I was like scared of credit for the longest time. So I think the fact that you're having these conversations so early, it's more, it's empowering, right? Because he won't feel like this is something completely foreign to him when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Good job, mom. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to know, because as a mom, I'm sure you're used to kind of giving your all and not having a lot left for yourself. So how do you build self-care into your routine? And what does financial self-care mean to you? So self-care in a few ways, you know, I have my free self-care and then I have my budgeted for self-care. So Like when the pandemic hit, we were still at the NICU with my daughter and nothing was open. And so I just started putting money away, made like a small sinking fund because I said, when the spa opens, 
I'm going <laughs> and I'm going for the big services, not the 60 minute massage. I'm going for the 90 minutes. Okay. You're going to be there all day. <laughs> all day. And that's what I did. And I didn't feel guilty about it because when they opened, I think it wasn't until like June, I was prepared because I had been putting $20 away here, $30 away there, like saving my fun money. And then like a little bit extra to put like in a little sinking fund. And I was good to go. Any beauty services I do, like I find that as a form of self-care, like getting my hair done, getting my nails done, but I don't do it often. But when I do it, I'm going to do it. And I make sure to plan out. So like when I get my nails done, I get dip powder versus gel because it lasts me three to four weeks instead of going every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a little bit more upfront, but I'm not making as frequent visits. I like to get my hair braided because that lasts me a lot longer than just getting a blowout, things like that. And then as far as like free self-care, like getting outside is just so underrated. When I'm starting to feel like really just shut in and like low and like burned out, getting outside and getting some fresh air and some sunlight that's like one of the easiest ways to just like get out of your head. Like I'll catch up on my podcast and typically listening to you. And I will go <laughs> for a walk. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll go for a walk. And then now like I get in the bathtub. That's my like Sunday night routine. I have a face steamer that I got for Christmas last year. I try to use that every Sunday and give myself a little facial. So like there's little things like that I try to do that are low cost as well or no cost at home. And what I do is tell my husband, like, all right, 7.30 on Sundays, I shut it down. I'm done. You don't know me. I don't know y'all. Leave me alone. <laughs> I love That's that. It. Yo, and like going outside is so underrated as like a huge serotonin booster. Like there is, definitely, especially during the pandemic, like when I just felt like I could not look at these four walls again, it just took like a 10, 15 minute walk with my dogs outside to like just refresh you in a way that is completely 100% free and so good for your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were, me and Elijah, we would walk in the morning sometimes in the summer when we could like get up early enough and we would take a morning walk or then we would just take an evening walk. And that's something that we both really enjoyed. And I was able to get that one-on-one -on -one time with him. So that's really important as well. Yeah, get that one-on-one -on -one time with him. Or when he had football earlier um, in the fall, you know, I'll go out to practice and the baby and I, we would just walk and they would be at practice. And it made a difference in my day. It became something that I looked forward to after being stuck at the computer for eight, nine hours and yeah. in between running to children. So definitely. All right. So what is your money mantra? My money mantra? Mm -hmm. I knew you were going to ask this and I feel like <laughs> I should have like been more prepared. I want to have just one, like, Actually, I look up money mantras all the time and like try to find one for the week. And so like right now, it's that one, like it's very common, but it's like money flows to me effortlessly. I've been saying that a lot because I've been spending a lot of money that was planned, but it's still like, it's hard for me to spend that. Like when you see like you've saved up a ton of money, but you know, you have to allocate it for something. And now like that something is here. It's difficult, but to tell myself that, you know, the money is still flowing and it flows to me effortlessly, that's keeping me calm and saying, okay, it's okay to spend this because this is what I planned for right. and I will make it back and it'll come back. So that's one of the ones that definitely like keeps me calm because I do have a bit of spending guilt now mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm so much of a, a money hoarder now. Like I went from not being able to save a hundred dollars to now like hoarding all of it and I don't want to spend anything. 
I can so relate to that. When you get into this mindset shift where now you're really prioritizing things like saving and investing, spending money can feel almost wrong, even though you do set up these accounts like emergency funds to handle emergencies. And so I actually had a recent emergency where I lost power in my house because of a hurricane. And I had to dip into my emergency fund to buy a generator so that we wouldn't be without power because I'm in Florida and it's like a million degrees here. And I felt like, oh, I got to take money out of my emergency fund. But then it was just like, wait a minute, this is literally why this exists. So why am I feeling like, let me just try and stick it out. That's not the point. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right. So I want to know, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get control of their finances, but just doesn't even know where to start? Definitely tracking your expenses is like the first step for me. Taking a look at what have I been spending on? And then I'm looking at what can I cut? And like I was saying earlier, my biggest budget buster is food. So developing a grocery budget that's realistic for my family size and like how much we're going to eat and also developing a budget for takeout. So not saying I have to cut it out completely, but you have to reel it in. So we do one takeout night per week. Also taking a look at some of those other expenses like clothing. Like right now, how much clothing do you really need? Are you leaving the house for work or are you at home? So like buying, you know, all the fall and winter fashion trends or the next season's trends, is that really necessary at this point? And I try not to say too much about cutting because that can be hard. That's like what made me feel burned out because I like stopped eating out. I stopped going to hang out with friends, but also find ways to make more money. Mm-hmm. That's something too that like I try to do. But in the, the day, your basis is going to be your budget. I feel like the baseline for all things financial is a budget. There's billion dollar corporations that operate on the budget. Why don't you? You should know where your money's going and get in control of your money by you telling it where to go. Don't let your money just escape from you. It's important that you tell your money where to go and you're not going to get it right the first, second or third time. You're going to mess it up, but keep going because the reward, like once you finally get it, it's such an amazing feeling. It's a great feeling. Yeah. I I love that advice. Super important. And you make a great point. Like you work too damn hard for your money for you not to know where it's going. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about side hustles because you touched on this concept of making more money as opposed to cutting. And I think that is such excellent advice. Like you can only cut so much, but your ability to earn extra income is theoretically just limited by your imagination. So what are you doing to earn extra income through your side hustles? So I used to work retail for years, like especially at the holiday season. I would just sign on for the holiday season and that's how I would pay for Christmas and then just have a couple extra dollars stashed up for the beginning of the new year. So don't knock that. I tried selling online. I made a couple dollars from that, but that's just, that's not for me. And so it took me a while to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And then that's when I started my blog and then I learned how to monetize that. So right now I just do my blog and I've between ads and sponsored posts for Instagram, doing some workshops, speaking engagements with Money and Momming. That's where my side hustle income is coming from. Amazing. So it really just goes to show you that your creativity is the thing that's limiting you if you don't have a side hustle or you feel like you don't have any talents or you feel like you just don't have any skills that you can monetize. That's just absolute crap. We all have skills that we can monetize and you're clearly doing that, which is amazing. Thank you. Yes. All right. So where can we find out more about you, Jasmine, and follow your journey? So I'm on Instagram and Twitter 
and Pinterest and Facebook at Money and Momming. And then my website is www.moneyandmomming.com. This has been an amazing conversation. You totally inspired me. I think your voice is so needed in this space because I know I get so many requests from people to talk to more moms because it can feel like the personal finance space is just like a bunch of dudes making money. And even like, there's a lot of people without children that are kind of influencers in this space. I don't know if it's just a result that maybe there's just like a lot more younger people in the personal finance community in general, but I think your voice is so important. I am such a big fan of the work that you do, and I just can't wait to see what you continue to accomplish through your brand. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so, so much. And again, thank you for having your podcast. I'm so excited. That's thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks, you too. Mi gente, I hope that you love this episode and that you took away the fact that we as adults have such, such power to be able to change the next generation by passing down the gift of financial literacy to our children and children that we love that might not be our own. I'm a proud Thea and I am doing everything that I can to equip my niece with financial literacy. We talk about money. I buy her books about money. I'm investing on her behalf and I plan to teach her the things that I've learned now and in the future so that we can begin to change the trajectory of not only our lives, but of the future. There is so much power in financial literacy and the best part is that it's completely free to access and you're doing that today by being here and listening to this podcast. I hope you have a great Mother's Day. If you are a mom Shout out to you. We are celebrating you. If you're missing your mom, know that we are hugging you tight and keeping you in our thoughts. And if you didn't have a great relationship with your mom, that's okay too. Moms are human the same way that all of us are. And life is about embracing our flaws and loving ourselves despite them. So until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... 
Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.